This is Coda Radio, episode 291, for January 8th, 2018. everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and its related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. Why me? Thanks for asking. My name is Chris, but that doesn't matter. What matters is our host. He's here every, sang- every dang week, sometimes from all over the globe, but this week from the bayous of Florida. Hello, Mr. Dominic. How y'all doing today? That was an offensive and inaccurate Southern accent. That's that was. Never mind. <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta work oh, on it. You know, I mean, if yeah, you've been but... doing like four or five years of Jar Jar, and then you, I mean, I feel like you could use all of 2018 to refine it because you got you know it takes a while. It you got to soak it in, which means you got to go out to more bars, you got to go out to more restaurants, you got to go meet the people. <laughs> no, 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 one of those I don't need to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fat now, Chris. Oh, well, you know, I, 2017 was a rough year for me. I yeah. uh, Just in general, a real ball buster. And uh, the first thing that slips is my weight. And yeah. uh, I, there, for, a portion, for a portion, I was losing – I'd lost like 25 pounds. I was, I was on this fasting streak, uh, reduced you know, caloric intake, increased caloric output. You know, these kinds of things were really working for me. And then I went to New York and I lived in a car for two weeks – and lived on the road, and it just completely destroyed my ability to take care of myself, and I have not recovered since then. So this week is the first week I'm, like, getting back into, like, drinking a lot of water, going on nightly walks, yep. trying Nancy. to... It's not because I'm, like, some New Year's guy. I don't, I don't make big New Year's no. plans. It's just I'm through the holidays, which are the worst time of year. I hate the holidays. It just destroys my business. It just is the most insane amount of work I oh. ever have to do for a year. It's intense. I'm yeah. doing three, four shows a day to get it through the holidays. And I'm murdering yeah. myself. And it's just my, my physical care has to slip. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I recently moved to Florida. Well, it's actually been six months now, so it's actually been a while. still feels but new to me, but yeah. It's, it's still new, but they have a lot of microbrews down here. Yeah, that's a big and, thing in my town. Yeah, I've been drinking my calories. Like, not like getting loaded, but you know what yeah. beer is? I mean, if you look at what, what beer is, it's like a glass of bread. It's a, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's, I, I got to knock that out because I'm like, I look like like a short white Buddha with boobs. It, it's it's not a good thing. I know. I, I feel bad for my significant other. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll get my crap together. Yeah, it's hard for me too because uh, microbreweries, local breweries are huge here in the Pacific Northwest. And um, that's generally also dog-friendly territory. So now as a new yeah. dog owner, I'm always trying to go to places that I can bring you a pup. dog now? Yeah, I got, a, I got a dog about a month oh. ago. Yeah. He's a great little dog. And he's, you know, he's, he's not here today, but usually he's in the studio with me. I mean, Rekai moved out. I had to have some company. You know, otherwise, otherwise I'm talking to myself. Uh, yeah, don't worry, Chris. I'm always here to tweet you at night and have you not get it. <laughs> Boom! Had to do it, chat room. <laughs> Now, now that's not why we started. The, we didn't. We didn't actually come on the show today to complain about how fat we're getting. Uh, no, yeah. we we actually. I'm really looking forward to doing. For, I don't know. This year, I was sort of meh on the whole. Let's do predictions. And then when you put it together, I'm like, you know, what I got. I got some. Like I have some inspiration for 2018 predictions. I'm, I'm going to make some calls 
And uh, I'm looking forward to our predictions. But we also have a bunch of emails. Apparently, people started emailing us again. Love that. To be honest, I, I would, I'd love to get more emails, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. And then we have some great hoopla to get into. So what do you say we start out here with L feedback? Fire away. All right. So uh, this came in, and um, I'll say – we'll use first names. Uh, we'll just actually go with Bob. Bob wrote, and uh, it's, a, it's a longer one, so I'm going to paraphrase some of it. It says, guys, I love the show. I've been pursuing a career in tech. I listen to various podcasts, and I like the mix you guys get between insightful business discussion and not being horribly boring. He says, I realize uh, you're not necessarily trying to teach, but nonetheless, your conversations have been informative. I need all the help I can get. I was incarcerated 17 years without the internet. So imagine that for a moment. You go away into jail, and you come out 17 years later, and there's smartphones and Wi-Fi and internet. Holy crap. I mean, you got people that make their entire living on the internet, something that didn't even exist when you went to jail. That's mind-blowing. It reminds me of uh, Mitnick a little bit. Like, it's just, wow. Anyways, he says, I need all the help I can get now. I did learn to code while in prison. I had some books on Python. Wow. I also had access to an old Dell running Windows XP. Would you guys mind offering me some advice? I enrolled in college immediately upon my release. I'm going to graduate this semester with a degree in software development from my local college, which is an eastern Florida State college. I've taken courses in Java, C++, C Sharp. I've learned some Swift on my own, but I've never really built an app. So here's his questions. Would a beginner have a better chance of finding employment in web development than in mobile? Um, do you want to just take these one at a time, or do you want me to go through all of them? Uh... Hmm. What do you? Well, okay. So, because it, it feels like that first one right there, I would just say web development. Uh, I mean, we could keep it short. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there is more quantity of jobs in web development, right? But web development means a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a big difference between like WordPress development, PHP, or you know, Rails, or building an um, Electron app. Uh, having said that, you mentioned Python, yeah. right? So that that's yeah. a definite growth area. What do you think about uh, freelancing uh, as a way to start his career? Is that nuts or is that a good way to get some experience under your belt? I'm mixed on that. Uh, That's his next question. You know, it it depends. A lot of – because you're starting out, a lot of smaller places are probably going to want you to be a contractor or freelancer for a few months anyway. True. So you might end up having to do that no matter what. The question is do you want to actually like be a freelancer as a permanent business where you're worried about things like invoicing, projections? Yeah. You could just look at uh, it as speed yeah. dating. You know, you get to try a lot of different businesses where there's different workflows where they have different requirements from their developers and you get an idea of what works better for you. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think of it that way. I, yeah, if you look at it as speed dating, that might – and you know, somewhat not, – not, not even necessarily resume building but more so networking, referral building. Then I think it'd be a way to go. He says, since I know Java and some XML, should I begin with Android, um, or is that too niche of a of a beginner skill to find a job? No, I don't think I would call Android niche. Um, oh, you know the problem. The problem I with, begin with the problem with Android development is the only way that's really going to work uh, when you're a beginner is if you can get in with a company that has that just constantly building an app as part of their yeah. part of their business. Um, you know, the idea that you could create an app out of whole cloth and then be successful with it is sort of like the idea that a person, well, I want to create a podcast, so I'm just going to podcast. Um, you have to have something new, unique. You have to have something that's competitive. And usually it takes about 15 attempts to figure out what, what makes that. You know, you know, the developers of apps that go huge, uh, that, that's almost never their first app. They almost have a string of failures behind them. And so if you're trying to get revenue, you're trying to get employment, 
I, I wouldn't plan on making the next big Android app. At best, I'd plan on being a dark matter developer at a company that's building an app for their business. Yeah, I, I have to agree. But I, I would also add that just from my perspective of you know trying to sell consulting services, I, I don't see a ton of demand for native Android on its own or for native Android at all. Most of the folks who are asking me for Android are doing things like Cordova or Ionic or, you know, like React Native. Um, live, we, I don't do React Native, but that would be Xamarin in my case. Um, and definitely the, I mean, this, I don't know, this is pretty true of, I mean, basically every startup I talk to, people are still developing the iOS app either in parallel to the Android app using a hybrid framework or if they're native first, um, which, you know, it, it, since you're starting out, that's kind of probably where you're going to be looking smaller shops mm. or, like Chris says, to be a dark matter dev. I would I would wager that I don't think my experience is really that unique in this uh, in this arena. I would say that there's more iOS work floating out there. And I base that on looking at my competitors, both locally and, and back up north. Um, most people are doing a lot more iOS work than Android work Do if you, they're mobile focused. I I mean in in full in full like uh, career advice supportive mode here. I almost read a bit of an assumption that uh, money is a foregone conclusion if you just get in the right job or you pick you build the right app. That it's just a foregone conclusion that because you know coding you'll make money. Um, and I feel like that's a line of bullshit that's sold by career retraining. Really? People. Yeah. I feel like coding is sold as this – and they use the word coding too. I feel like coding is <laughs> sold as this career change salvation. Oh, you've been a 25 – and actually this is real-world experience from a family member. You've been painting walls for 25 years and your shoulders all screwed up now so you can't paint any more walls. We're going to send you through career retraining to become a coder. And so this guy who, instead, who, was right? a, who was a lifetime wall painter uh, went through career oh. retraining and, to become a developer. And this is, this is nine years ago now, I think. Well, maybe seven years ago. And he still doesn't have a full-time paying job. And what I have attributed to is that he doesn't, he doesn't have a genuine passion for writing software. He, he was never staying up late creating something. He's never done all-night benders building something because he's trying to get through an idea while it's still fresh. That's never been a draw for him. There's, he right. prefers to build like physical things and then paint them and make them look nice. And that's what his passion is. And so it, it – it, but what happens is, is your body becomes broken or you've been, you've been removed from society for 17 years and they need something to say that they're all doing something for these people. And so, well, we have, we have a lack of coding jobs. We need more coding jobs out there. So let's make sure we retrain everybody as coders and tell them it's a sure bet for getting early, easy money. And I'm not saying this is what's happening to our emailer here. But I, there are some red flags here when I read his email in its totality that make it feel like there's an assumption that if you just get the right job, you build the right app, you'll just make money because it's coding. And I want to just caution him that's not necessarily true. It's like any other trade profession, which I'm sure he knows. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, right? I mean, it's, you know, how many of these coding boot camps or, or you know, coding retraining facilities, can we call them that, have you know, in 2017, gone chapter 11. Yes. Right? Yeah, that was a big that was a big thing that I think you called at the beginning of 2017. I did because I'm always calling people to go broke. <laughs> Listen, it, 
If I have a choice between negative and positive, I go negative every time. <laughs> Either way, I really respect that he's you know pulling himself together after yeah. a major setback like that, and he seems like he's on. He seems like the stuff he has gotten into, he's on the right track. So I think he's going to be well, okay. Just Python alone. I mean, just you know, if he studied Python, that that's yeah. a huge area. Well, right? and and, do... and, and yeah. experience in Java, C plus plus, and C sharp are also very employable uh, skill sets. So I think he's I think he's doing right. I think he's going to be fine. Um, I, his last question uh, was uh, if we have any comments on cross-platform development like React Native uh, and how that might affect native, native mobile developers in the future. I think he's trying to figure out where the puck is essentially skating to in that. So any closing thoughts on cross-platform <laughs> development like React Native? Yeah, it's been a, a running theme for a few years, right, on mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. Um, the majority of stuff that I see is, is or at least that comes to me, is definitely cross-platform. Um, having said that, I've made a conscious choice to either say, you know, bots first, cross-platform mobile second, native iOS third. Um, I don't, I don't want to tell you that there is going to be no native work because it's simply not true. But a lot of people are migrating to things like React Native in particular, and uh, more enterprises are using things like Xamarin a lot. So okay. Well, Frego writes in with our next one, and uh, he, it's about picking up on estimates. He says, and where estimates fail, it's because if more accurate estimate is made, somebody else will come in lower and then get the work, but end up taking twice as long as the good estimate and cost twice as much. It seems like there is no incentive to give accurate estimates anymore. I say it's impossible. I say it's impossible, actually. But unless, unless you were having a peer-to-peer conversation about the requirements and expectations where somebody who had a complete technical understanding and a complete business objectives understanding of what the project was and they could clearly outline all of the technical challenges had brilliant documentation for all of it and could speak to you on a level that was like a peer then maybe you could get really really close to an accurate estimate and i still think you couldn't quite do it cuz you can't account for everything and the further removed you get from that perfect scenario the less chance you have of an accurate estimate because the more surprises crop up yeah I, this is one of my main goals for 2018 is to figure out some process for estimation that's not um i would say it's wildly uh, inaccurate as the one i've been using for 10 years it would be this is a problem i i agree with the the commenter i don't have a good solution and i'm not sure that there is a good solution to be clear yeah and it, you know i've been wondering if it's something like lean minimum viable estimates where in the estimates built in that if if um if these assumptions change the estimate could be affected in xyz manner and just sort of like a way of like building in the couch, right, uh, into the estimate is the only thing right. I can really think of. Building a lot of couch. Yeah, it, it, I, I have been on a, a quest of reading a lot of this stuff. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but like the whole Fibonacci style of estimation. I don't think so. Well, you was, so instead of saying that, you know, Chris, if you're like, write me a bot for Discord that sends – um, anybody who logs in an Internet Explorer, a download link to Firefox. Which, okay. <laughs> <laughs> why not? I would say, okay, instead of telling you that's 100 hours or whatever the number is, I'm just spitballing here, I would have to give you a number that is a a order of uh, one of the Fibonacci numbers, right? So it's like one, uh, it's like one, it's one, two, three, five, you know, the the number... Uh. Like you have, yeah, you have like estimation thing. buckets. Yeah. It just it's either it's either going to be this many hours or it's going to be this whole another set of hours. 
so so like I kind of tried that, and the problem is my three and your three are probably not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people still end up trying to peg it to hours, right? Like, oh, two. Oh, what is it? Two, two hours. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's tough. Two hours of whose time and what work. And the thing is, is then then somebody else you're competing with submits a totally bullshit estimate. <laughs> it's like, well, what metrics are they using? Oh, it's the worst. It's the, yeah. probably it's just, oh, uh, yeah. Um, so kind of on the, along the same lines. Uh, who, see, let me, let me grab the name really quick so that way. Esteban, Esteban. writes in and again. Esteban again. It's Esteban. He says, uh, I'm in a completely different business, but your conversations regarding estimates and making changes to your business helps all of us that are running small businesses. Oh, awesome. I, um, he says, I do understand why you have been doing less videos. I think he's talking to me now. Uh, but you must you must agree that video is what brought your podcast slash shows to the top of other Linux shows. Plus, I see more Linux podcasts moving over to video format. That said, I now have a clear understanding of why we're not seeing the video that we had expected. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, I think that's in response to uh, I've been recently talking about how been refocusing JB on what we can do really really well. And like I never felt like our like our full video production shows were ever all that good and they were a very compromised audio product. I think he's right mm-hmm. though. It did help with discoverability. So I'm not done with video, but I'm just sort of taking a period of time where I'm just trying to make our core products more genuine, make them better to what they are, uh, use higher production standards that we – you can't really do like individual multi-track audio recording on video without just an insane amount of extra work. Like it's exponentially more work to do multi-track audio recording when you're doing a video production syncing it up with remote hosts and screen it's just it's nuts and so we decided um when we launched some new shows like linux action news or user air um that um or the new tech snap that it was better to focus on what we could do really well perhaps even better than most podcast networks and um, then later on come back to video if you look at the people that are moving to video they're not that successful their their videos imagine, their videos get imagine, a fraction yeah. of the views that our our audio That's what shows I was say. yeah right the videos have to be what I would I, yeah I, I have no idea what like less than ten percent I wager a the thing is that the the YouTube audience is fantastic for discoverability and availability right. because YouTube is everywhere it's on all devices so being on oh, YouTube true. has some real benefits just like being on iTunes does and but the other but then but that's that's the end of it the majority of YouTube audience are children. And they don't have jobs. What? And they, yeah, this is a huge really? Casey Neistat and um, um, Logan Paul, and whatever these guys' names are, and PewDiePie. It's children watching their videos. I literally have no idea what you're talking about. Now. These these YouTube people, these huge the the the, the thing that the big the big secret about YouTube is that it's children, and so the advertising doesn't work because it's ads that don't play to the kids and you don't you don't have a lot of people with expendable income because they don't have jobs they're you know they're 14 13 10 so it's a youtube is not a great business model plus it's a platform that's very finicky and it's something mr dominic and i have talked a lot about is when you when you base a business on a platform that's extremely finicky uh it really wrecks havoc so i just don't think it's a stable investment either that's my way of saying once we've sort of cleaned house we're producing we're producing the best products we can with our existing workload then we'll grow it back into video in the meantime cool. i may do one-off videos you know here and there uh all right so uh um 
Uh, don't kill your BB, Chris. My two cents. Nice episode, Mr. Dominic, once again, is the last email that comes in from HippoKits, which I don't know what he means, don't kill the BB, other than maybe he means uh, video? So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so remember last uh, last episode, which was for us a couple weeks ago, right? We talked about how I basically shelved Alice for a little while, and you ended up not doing your entire overhaul, and you just focused on TechSnap. And I think you called them the babies. Oh, maybe. I'm pretty sure that's what he's talking about. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Jeez, it's so long ago. How can anybody remember? But I do appreciate the feedback either way. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash contact. Send us your thoughts on what we're about to get into. Before we go any further, let's take a moment and thank Linux Academy for sponsoring this here episode of the Coder Radio program. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. If you're listening to this on the day of publication or the day after, go to LinuxAcademy.com slash coders and sign up right away for a special New Year's deal that they have. But if you're listening to this a few days later, Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders and just get our seven-day trial. Try it out for a bit and get an idea. It's still a great platform regardless of sale or not. It's worth it. And what a great time to start at the beginning of the year. I'm not into resolutions either, but if you're going to start something, why not do it now? So that way at the end of the year you can say, I've been doing Linux Academy for an entire year. Linuxacademy.com slash coders, a full-featured training library with everything you need to learn new skills and advance your career. It's everything around Linux, the nitty-gritty details of Linux itself but also all of the big platforms that make the money, like your OpenStacks and your AWSs and your Azures and all of those really big, heady things that are constantly changing. They've got the best courseware in the business on it. And if you ever get stuck, they've got real human beings that can help you whenever you need it. Simultaneous cloud servers, they spin up oh, on demand. And Learning Paths, which are a series of content that's planned by their instructors for very specific career tracks. You're ready to just get into a new track? You go for that. Practice exams and quizzes if you're ready to go get a certification. And all kinds of flashcards that are forked by the community. As well as mobile apps and downloadable comprehensive audio and study guides which you can use offline. And the platform's constantly adding new features. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. You go there and sign up for a free seven-day trial. And you support the show. If you follow Linux Academy on the Twitters, too, you'll see that they've recently had their big sale. 580-plus hours of hands-on labs and courses for in-depth Linux training alone. Not to mention all of the other courseware outside of that that they have. They have a 55% sale going on right now as a New Year's sale for just a few more days. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Go there, sign up, support the show. And a big thank you to Linux Academy. So, let's do it. Let's get the elephant in the room out of the way. Um, we've had a few weeks now with the iMac Pro out in the public. You've been evaluating different workstations over the last year for your development workflow. And I think kind of funny, as the year came to an end, correct me if I'm wrong, but you spent the vast majority of the year on Ubuntu and Pop! OS. And then towards the end of it, tried a little bit of time out on Windows 10 and then ended up on the Mac after like an experience that was sort of earth-shattering where you went, oh, shit, I can't even do my job without this Mac because of these damn Xcode signing. All right, fine, I'm just going to have the Mac. And at the end of all of it, after like a year on Linux and a short stint on Windows 10, you ended up back on the Mac. And right as you end up back on the Mac platform, Apple drops the iMac Pro. Yeah, so I assume you already bought one. <laughs> well, I don't know if you heard, but uh, apparently I'm not doing video anymore, so the, the need for high-end <laughs> equipment is becoming less and less. But maybe this is will help you do video. Yeah. See, I'm not with the audience. See, I'm on your side. Um, so I have many thoughts about this. 
do you want me just to go with it and stream of consciousness or do you want to do you have anything first well i'll just start with i'm a little disappointed that the t2 didn't have anything to do with ios development it does sound like it's a pretty badass like drive controller raid management boot management stuff but i'm a little disappointed that that a10 isn't touchable by xcode at all but go ahead now go so there is a lot i like about this machine Let's forget about money for a second because that is a thing. <laughs> I used to actually be an iMac user. My first Mac was a, the first uh, aluminum MacBook, and then I had a 27-inch iMac. The reason I left using iMacs and went back to MacBook Pros was anytime you have a problem, you have to lug a 27-inch giant computer mm. to Apple. I also tend to so, – so the, the, there is a question for me, right? Like this machine looks good. It looks like it makes a ton of sense for guys like you. What, yeah. Video production. What is your too much price? Uh, because honestly to me, uh, $5,000 isn't it. So I used to only spend $1,600 on computers. Yeah, yeah. If you're building and a PC especially. Killing, well, no. I mean like laptops. And mm. I kept killing uh, so now this most recent one was I think three thousand dollars. I I can't say that five is too much. Like my objection isn't solely price. It's one. It would be one of two machines, right? Because you still need a laptop. Um, and I've read some stuff that's weird on the throttling because of thermals. Yeah, well, that's now, that's the weakness of this machine right there. Is that right? Just it's the same case. Yeah, this right. is this is this is the major disappointment. Is um, it seems that they're even even to the extent of just not spinning up fans. So when they get to a to a thermal situation, throttling occurs before um, spinning up the fans occurs. That is, Which is uh, not what I in, in it. You know, I have to be honest. Like I used to lust. You know, back when like I couldn't afford it, after like the iMac, uh, the the Pro G, whatever it was, the big cheese grater tower, right, the silver one, that they used to always like show in movies and stuff. And if this was a tower, I would almost certainly get one. But go ahead, I'm sorry, I, I bulldozed you there. Well, no, I just think the thermal throttling is uh, it tells you who this machine's for. If the sound and the ambient noise of the machine is more import- important than just the raw performance and you're willing to make that slight trade-off, then this is the right computer for you. If you're somebody like me who would be willing to have something that's louder while it's under heavy load, this isn't the right machine. And it's kind of unfortunate because they don't offer anything more powerful right now. We have no idea when the Mac Pro will ship or what it's even going to look like. If they say modular, we don't know what that means. It's probably <laughs> it's not going to be the, it's it's probably not gonna be the cheese grater. It's also right, and it's also pretty clear that it, you know, had, had like prominent Apple folks not thrown a fit, this was going to be the Mac Pro. Right. So I I don't know. I mean, I'm a little conflicted on it because it, it is actually in terms of internals and in terms of um, like out of the box, what it can do for me, exactly what I want. Yeah. And even with this thermal throttling, it's probably faster than anything else you have. I mean, you take just the disk I.O. alone um, and it, it's probably going to be even even when it's under full throttle, it's probably still way faster than any laptop you have. Well, but yeah, but laptop components are gimped to begin with, right? I mean, they're, they're, that's but true. But this is gimped in a similar way. That's what bugs me about it. Well, right, right. Because, you see, that's not clear to me, though. I've read about five uh, reviews of this, and I've watched some really interesting 
YouTube reviews of computers are weird. I just want to say that. <laughs> but um, and I'm I'm seeing really conflicting. Like I saw one where it throttles the CPU according to this guy's benchmark all the way down to like three point six. Yes, correct. Which mm-hmm. which seems hyper aggressive to me. Yeah, the the thing is, um, is that that's only part of the whole performance picture, right? When you still have a, when you still have a very fast disk I/O, you still have uh, on the ECC RAM, right? You have an operating system that's pretty well optimized for multi-core processing at this point. And that's one thing you got to give Mac OS is that they invested in Grand Central Dispatch years ago, and now any application that's Mac-ish is essentially multi-core out of the box. So you can, you know, you, you're less dependent on the peak performance of each core when you can spread it across 10 cores. You know what I mean? So instead of running sure. at 3.9, they're running at 3.6. But you're, you're getting maybe – you're actually getting seven or eight cores worth of performance out of this thing. Okay. But here's my nightmare scenario, right? Let, let, let's – you're absolutely correct. How – it's still an LCD panel glued right on top of yeah. where there's a GPU uh, yep. and, and like a Xeon processor. Yep. Yep. I don't know if you've ever done this, yeah. but like LCDs don't like heat. Yep. Yeah, that is – yeah, that's also a concern of mine. Mm-hmm. So yeah. am I going to be lugging a 27-inch, 20-something pound or however heavy it is, iMac Pro to the Apple Store because of like a blotch or a shadow on the screen? No. Or am I crazy? No. Like, in my experience, so I've, I had that problem – you know, okay. over the years, um, we've ended up with um, one, two, three, three or four iMacs just over the years because, oh, crap, we have to have a Mac to do that. And, you know, I'm not going to buy a Mac Mini. Um, and so you buy an iMac. Well, you, you can't even get a reasonable Mac Mini yeah. anymore. Um, yeah. And uh, we did definitely have one that uh, ended up with having dark stripes down where essentially hot components in the machine mm-hmm. were because this machine ran 24-7 and it was part of an encode cluster and all of that stuff. And so it, it, it did it, it did very much. And I just left it. To be honest with you, the machine's job was too important to shut it down for three weeks or two weeks to get it repaired. And um, I just never never got it. I still have that machine. The one thing I'll say, these iMacs have lasted forever. If, when the ones that have spinning rust disks, eventually the, di- the disk dies out and then it's basically the machine's entire is worthless unless you want to go through the glass to replace it but uh, that's my next yeah, that's my next issue if yeah. i'm spending 5000 plus and in 2 years i just want like a better gpu i would just like to be able to get a better gpu yeah i think uh, out of all of the macs the studio's ever had to buy i think uh the mac pro tower the cheese grater which we bought after apple announced the trash can i looked around and i said it would cost us about $800 to convert all of our stuff over to Thunderbolt just to convert what we have to Thunderbolt. So – and we were running off a of Hackintosh at the time for all of our you live broadcasts. Hackintoshes, man. Yeah, I did a lot of Hackintoshes back in the day because of this problem. This very problem we're discussing led me to Hackintoshes. I don't, I don't build them anymore just because I run everything on Linux now and it solved, it solved that problem. But back then I was running on Mac OS on a Hackintosh right. and when they announced the trash can – I said, well, I got to buy a cheese. I, so I went and got a refurbished cheese grater that's still a great machine. Like we don't use it in production anymore, but it's still in the studio, still runs, still builds software, still encodes video. It's still just like a little champ that is very well – performs very well. We've replaced the graphics card in it and it's just great. It's just it's just fine. I think it's from like 2012. I think it's a 2012 nice. machine. Jeez. It's got so two are Xeons. You, are, you cons- are, you, are you considering the iMac Pro at all? 
No. If I was doing more video production, it would be um, a lot a lot more of a consideration. The 5K screen makes working with 4K resolution video perfect because you have room left over for the video editing Chrome and full resolution video. Uh, and the fast disk makes importing, exporting, and rendering video really appealing. And the fact that they have two separate Thunderbolt controllers on that thing means you could hook up external SSDs. Yeah. I mean, there's so yeah. So if I was working yeah. with high resolution video, if I was doing like if I had like a big drone footage operation or uh, 4K cameras, it would be a slam dunk. It, there's really not a better machine to edit 4K video right now. Um, especially if you're on the final, it, it really Final Cut. It's Final Cut on that hardware is is more is more competitive than people realize because Apple has taken full advantage of the home turf and they they're taking advantage of every sneaky secret API. They're writing they're writing directly to the video card that they know ships in their product, and so you get performance at a Final Cut that you would think you need a ten thousand dollar PC to get. And so when the Mac Pro comes in at five thousand dollars, but it's legitimately offering you $10,000 PC performance if you're using Adobe Premiere on Windows, uh, $5,000 is a good deal. And that's why the iMac Pro for some people is a steal. And that's why they're uh, the most common build and, and the one that Apple has identified that's also the best for Final Cut is the 10-core system. And that is the, that's the version that's selling the best right now. And I think it's specifically because people want to get into video workflows. And as the iMac Pro landed, Apple also updated Final Cut to fully take advantage yeah. of the hardware and to support VR editing. So now you can do VR, virtual reality editing, with the HTC Vive headset in Final Cut on the iMac Pro. Yeah, there, there, there are some interesting applications to this machine other than video editing, but I think that's going to be the most common one. Yeah. So the challenge for me is I am super paranoid. And, and Chris, have you ever noticed that I'm picky? <laughs> and, like, one, if I got that, even if I got the A-core config, it would be overkill for a while. Right. So my concerns about upgradability probably don't matter over the life of the device or what I would consider the life True, of the device. True, I suppose right? so. Yeah, if it, at $5,000, it's pretty much overspec. But that heat problem, and also, I have a crazy theory that they're going to actually give a Mac Pro that is sensible, that's like a black box that you can put components into. And I think they're going to do it in June. So I'm actually probably going to wait. Having said that, all this guarantees is that next week I'll have one. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I'm going to wait because I I would feel like a jackass if, although it also probably guarantees that the Mac Pro is going to be a lot more expensive than $5,000, which may be. Yep. Like that that's about the upper bound. I would screen say like screen for the Mac Pro is going to be over $1000, probably $1200 screen just for the screen. That stupid LG I have now they charge like 1000 bucks for, which is not not okay. At these um, prices you really are locked in. I mean, this is a cyclical cyclical problem, but um you really got to well, be I'm locked in anyway though, right? Because of my workflow. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Yeah, but it is it is um they 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 seem to have delivered on a machine that at least has the performance that people want. Thermal throttling yeah. is disappointing. I wish the T2 did more, but uh good enough. Uh, if anybody out there has a current Hackintosh with a uh, High Sierra on it, I'd kind of like to know. It seems like that's a that's going to hurt. 
Seems like there'd be a lot of yeah. pain. Um, yeah. DigitalOcean released something that they call their currents, DigitalOcean Currents, yeah. a quarterly, quarterly report on developer trends in the cloud. And there is actually some really interesting things that jumped out in this. Um, Let's Encrypt being like the number one way people are doing SSL now. It's totally pulled ahead, way ahead. Um, people that use DigitalOcean that consider themselves 46% developers, 16% system administrators, 11% students, 11% DevOps, 8% managers, 4% technical support, 3% other. Um, there is another stat in here that I did not expect to see. But really quickly, uh, Python, 24% of the programmer's choice. PHP, 27 and JavaScript, only 15%. C Sharp at 5, Ruby at 4. And no one chooses JavaScript. JavaScript chooses you. <laughs> All right. Now, here's the one I'm rushing towards. What is Linux. your desktop operating system of choice? 39% say Mac OS. Shocker. 29% say Windows. 32% say Linux, more than Windows. Windows at 29%, Linux at 32% of the people surveyed by DigitalOcean. There's more people using Linux as their desktop operating system than Windows that use DigitalOcean. What's happening? What's going on? What year is this? Is this the year of the Linux desktop? Oh. <laughs> um, I think this is the year that Apple, until the fourth quarter, f- fumbled their professional developer and assignment workstations. <laughs> That's what you attribute and, Linux to, wouldn't that? So those weren't that, but wouldn't Windows have, like, with the Surface Book and all that? Wouldn't they have been the big winner? Yeah, but you know, I, I've tried. Right, I mean, you mentioned at the, the top of the show. I recently tried Windows again, and if your workflow is very bashy and Unixy, it sure there's Linux subsystem on Windows, and it is the best Linux distro out there. Send your hate mail oh. to Alan at Jupiter Broadcasting. Um, it. It just it ain't nothing like the real thing, baby, right? It's it's just not the same as either a Mac or a Linux machine for those kind of uh, workflows. I would also argue, too, that there's a little bit of a... I, I think it is hard to underestimate or hard to overestimate how much developer dissatisfaction there was with the Mac machines and the, tu- and the touch books or touch whatever... Then MacBook Pros with the weird touch bar. I think it really underscores uh, how much Linux has become a development platform. Right. And Dell. It's Maybe so, yeah. Uh, your yeah. server operating system of choice, Linux, 89%. Windows, 8%. Mac OS, 2%. BSD, 1%. So more, people, more people using Mac OS as servers than BSD. Okay, but they're probably using it for build systems. Undoubtedly, yeah, but uh, that's right. still. I mean, do you think that's possibly reflective of the industry at all, or do you think this is skewed? Do you think developers skew this a lot? I think devs skew it. I think Do actually probably has a stronger Linux bias than your average host. I, I would be. No, why would that if, be? Hmm. 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 Can't figure that one out. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um. I'm I'm a little disappointed though not to see my my favorite operating system on here. Well, what would that be? Uh, Solaris. Sure, of course. Yeah, sure, of course. The machine learning and AI stuff was kind of interesting. Uh, like nobody's really working with it. Eighty-three percent of people say nah. Uh, only seventeen percent of people say yes. But 
Are you interested in machine learning or learning more about artificial intelligence in 2018? 73% of respondents said yes. So even though 83% currently did not work with it in any form, yeah. 73% are interested, which smells like hype. You smell that? I don't know what you're talking about. It all seems perfectly that? reasonable to me. Yeah? Yeah, okay. Hmm. hmm. Okay. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I thought that was... Uh, it's a little bit of hype. There's yeah. a whole lot more in this thing. We don't have to go through all of it, but those were interesting trends, right? I mean, the Linux desktop one, really, more than more than Windows. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think we're going to go into the Linux desktop one a little more uh, yeah, in right. a few minutes. You know what? Be, why don't we... Yeah, since we've we been talking DigitalOcean, let's mention DigitalOcean, digitalocean.com. Go over there, create an account, and use our promo code, CoderDigital. One word, CoderDigital, and you get a $10 credit. DigitalOcean is a simple way to spin up infrastructure in seconds. They call them droplets, and they have an interface that will blow you away. It's so straightforward to get started. Everything you deploy is backed by SSD drives, and when you're ready, there's a simple and intuitive and well-documented API to take advantage of all of this stuff. And there's lots of apps already written that do that, too. So even if you're not going to specifically write to the API, lots of other people do. Different storage options depending on what you need. Team support and lightning fast networking are just some of my favorite features. But in 2018, I think the feature I'm going to try to wrap my head around the most is their monitoring and alerting. Collecting metrics, monitoring performance, and then receive alerts to help me optimize things like the live stream or the audio stream going offline or figure out where the bottleneck is so the stream can actually be even more real-time. And it's no additional cost. It's just baked right into DigitalOcean. Load balancing is a service with straightforward pricing. My favorite system is just three cents an hour, two gigs of memory, two CPUs, 40 gigabytes of SSD, and three terabytes of transfer. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code CoderDigital. Go make your account and then kick the tires. You'll be really, really impressed. And speaking of gathering metrics, they have a great guide posted on December 26, gathering metrics from your infrastructure and your applications. The golden signals of monitoring, monitoring latency, traffic errors, system saturation, data throughput, all of it is outlined in this guide. DigitalOcean.com, go create your account, then apply our promo code CoderDigital. Then when you're ready to really kick the tires, check out their community documentation. Such good stuff. DigitalOcean.com, promo code CoderDigital. All right, Mr. Dominic, are you ready to uh, look into the future, cast our future vision out there, and see uh, what's coming into it? We'll just tell people right now, if there's only one episode you listen to, it's this one. Because we'll we're going to tell you what's about to happen for the rest of the year. And you could just skip this. After and this. if you're a bookie... <laughs> against me every time hey yeah, yeah I think, or there could at least be a drinking game in there i'm not sure there's probably something uh all right well, you got a batch you got a batch you want to start with uh maybe uh some javascript love yeah so um uh i think it's pretty clear now that javascript is going to consume our souls if it hasn't already it already has yeah. yeah i continue to see major javascript development going forward into 2018 and I don't see any end in sight, to be honest with you. I, I don't – I'm not happy because I've – so side tangent. I had to run a Windows VM this weekend, and I tapped out all the RAM on my MacBook Pro. <laughs> all of a sudden, I cared about all these freaking Electron apps on my Mac. I was like, mm, all right, guys, okay. give me my memory back. Yeah. You know, Chrome, you're getting shut down. Yeah. Like, Yeah, so uh, yeah, I – I think JavaScript, if it isn't already, is going to become the dominant programming language for most people who listen to this show. Well, I can't, I can't disagree. In 2018, will be the year it becomes real. Okay. 
So I'm going to make my next prediction with a, a bit of a couch first. And that is obviously Amazon, AWS specifically, Google and Microsoft are going to run away with the market uh, in 2018. Uh, Gardner and others project, project like 76% of all cloud platform revenue in 2018 will go to just those three. Which is nuts because then software as a service is also going mm-hmm. to Microsoft, Oracle, and Salesforce, like 70% of all of that. So it's going to be a great year for Amazon. It's going to be a great year for Microsoft and Googs. But all that said, I think AWS will see the most significant lead in the market erode in 2018. They have a huge head start. They're going to maintain their head start. They're going to be the largest, but they're also going to have the most significant losses. Um, as And I, I have a future prediction, but I think there's things that are coming along that uh, AWS is, is well-established, it's well-entrenched, but it's also the, in the perfect position to be replaced by a more competitive newcomer. When you become the big incumbent, you um, are naturally vulnerable to uh, – to certain market dynamics, which I think will become present in 2018. I can't disagree. Yeah. I mean, I, I think AWS has gotten uh, kind of overly complicated and enterprisey at this point. Yeah, yeah. And I, even yeah. though Lambda, Lambda is going to be a success, I think serverless, oh, really good. serverless yeah. is the market dynamic that's going to challenge AWS the most. Um, and I think something new, something hypey, a new notable project or product is going to come along and they'll boast about how serverless helped them get to market faster or kept the cost down or made per scaling and performance on demand way, way better than anything they could have built because they went serverless. And I think they're going to get a couple of hype success stories like that. Amazon with Lambda and whatnot will do well with serverless, but Serverless itself is going to be huge in 2018. It's going to be the big hype topic that people talk about. Build applications without all of the infrastructure. And that's going, to, that's going to dominate the discussion. And there's going to be some companies that I think are better positioned to take advantage of that than Amazon. And I think that will be one of the biggest things that sort of starts to chip away at AWS's momentum. We'll see that. I mean, I've used both Lambda and uh, Azure Functions. Yeah, Azure Functions think, is the, and I think I suspect there's another company we talk about a lot that's going to introduce something similar. But Azure Functions, I think, is going to give it the biggest challenge. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what company you mean, but if it's Apple, I would. No, 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 no. Okay, nope. All right, fair enough. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. It just occurred to me who you probably mean. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I'm curious, though, because one thing I'd add to this serverless uh, topic is it's scary looking back on 2016 how Microsoft went to getting their teeth kicked in to, hey, we now have, like, tremendous developer mindshare. Yeah, we're going to be one of the top three companies in this business. Right. And if – I don't know. I They have a history of leveraging stuff like that to get more mindshare. This is my thinking is that it's going to really give uh, some of the uh, some of the new market that's coming online in 2018 will just go Azure. And AWS would have gotten that business by default in the past. Well, I can tell you from experience Azure uh, or I can see I confused the and Microsoft, right? Microsoft Azure is doing something they should have done with Windows 8 and WinRT. Not that I'm bitter. <laughs> not that I'm bitter. No, no. They're just throwing free credits at people. And right. you don't have to, like, be a podcaster. You don't have to really do anything. You could just ask. <laughs> and they're everywhere. They're at every event. Right. They're, they're, they're interfacing with community. 
Uh, they've got dedicated staff here in Seattle to go to like meetups and stuff. It's yeah. They They're, actually respond like on Twitter. If mm-hmm. you're having a problem with something, they'll, they actually give you a way to contact them immediately. I think Amazon um, is walking a tighter line. It's the line that Google was walking years ago that now they've stepped over. Now people are always concerned about Google spying and Android, but there was a golden era for Google where they did no evil and no one questioned them. They were an open source darling. And I took any time I brought up a concern about Google, I would get lots of hate. Like, how dare you? Kind of, kind of hate, uh, which that no longer happens. People, more and more people, after several oops accidents and getting rid of do no evil, people started to see, okay, well, this is an advertising company. They're positioning the data. Like, it's we're we're much more realistic about how we view Google going into 2018 than say 2014 or 2015. I think that same transition is about to occur for Amazon. Interesting. Interesting. Um, All right. So uh, while we're kind of talking the whole Amazon thing, uh, 2018 in my in my uh, crystal ball is the year of the smart speaker slash lady tube assistant Uh, built into TVs, built into sound bars. General Electric is building it into lights. Uh, Sonos is building is building Google Assistant and Echo support into their speakers. CES right now is all about the Echo and the Google Assistant. CES is going on as we record this episode. Um, it is it is a bigger market than I think we fully appreciate. Well, I actually have been appreciating for a while, but I think people don't fully appreciate. These were the number one selling products for Christmas in yep. 2017. And people don't don't even they don't, they don't care about how functional they are as long as they're fairly good at playing music and asking and answering several, several questions, you know, common questions, setting timers and turning your smart home stuff on and off. These things will sell. And uh, I didn't think the Google Assistant would be competitive as much as it is. But Google is apparently selling a shit ton of them. And uh, Amazon has just totally put the pedal to the metal with the Echo, there's dots now and there's big speakers and revamp speakers. And like I, I bought the Sonos One over the holidays that has Echo functionality built in. Um, I bought it. I also bought another dot because they had a sale going. Um, <laughs> like it's just I'm also I also got one for my car, which I will talk more about on News Air. It's a special mobile thing that integrates with the phone for Internet connectivity. But I'm putting an Echo device in my vehicle even. I'm I'm. Uh, I'm thinking 2018 is the year of the Lady Tube, and uh, a- Apple blew it by not having HomePod ready for the holidays. People just want an easy, simple way to play music and order paper towels. Yeah, I was shocked this Christmas. I got a Amazon dot from someone, an older relative of mine, who literally does not know how to use email. This is okay. It's not th- a joke. This is my. Yeah. That was going to be my s my 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 bar. Is it starts showing up at thrift stores? Family members start giving them to each other. It's like you just start getting them. You start collecting them in your home because so many people have them and are trading them or giving them away. Right. Uh, and I think that's the level they've gotten to now. Well, I, he he got it from a casino that was just giving them away to people. Amazon is offering a six pack for like the price of three or something. Yep. You buy yeah. and they just they're giving three away at a time. Um, and I got one because I bought a Bose Bluetooth speaker, which I like these Bose Sound Leak speakers. They're my favorite Bluetooth speakers. And so I, I got one when my last one died. And Amazon's like, oh, well, we'll just include a dot for free. Here's a free dot, second generation dot when you buy your Bluetooth speaker. 
It just came with the speaker for free. No additional charge. And I'm sure the dot can control the speaker. Right? Oh, yeah. Yep. They link up. Yeah. It's it's permanently connected now. That Bluetooth, that sound, that uh, Bose is the speaker for my dot. So, you know, you get a free little dot and then you hook it up to a nice sounding speaker. You don't need a HomePod. So I, I do worry about just real quick. So also, if you, you know, they integrated with Sonos now, right? They have a deal. Yeah, I have the if Sonos have one, legacy- too, yeah. I have the legacy Sonos, the old one. Mm-hmm. Um, the dot can control that too somehow, which is interesting. Yeah, well, there's but a Sonos skill. Did Did you hear the thing that Amazon is arbitrarily writing checks to developers yeah. of skills on, yeah. on on their LadyTube? Yeah. They, I have been unable to find, and I, if anybody's listening to the show, can send this in for next week. Any data on by what metric they decide how much you make money, like how that works, because that. There still is not a great way to monetize this software. Well, we've talked about it. They're working on it. They're coming up with ways to integrate it with your Prime subscription or people can buy directly outside of it. Um, and then, and they're also now starting to support hardware accessories to work with certain skills, uh, which is an interesting development. I don't, I don't know. I think the revenue thing is still – like the revenue, it seems obvious for Jupiter Broadcasting. It doesn't need to be a revenue positive thing. I could see a skill for every show. So that way you could say, Echo, play the latest episode of Coda Radio or ask Coda Radio to play the latest episode or ask Coda Radio to play 290. And uh, the, the skill would just either – it would just play from the RSS feed, which how hard can that be? Reading the RSS feed and then delivering the MP3, that's got to be the simplest skill possible. Or even possibly you could tune into the live stream on Mondays and you could listen live. Um, and I, I could see a skill for Linux Action News, for Linux – every damn show could have their own skill. It, and it never needs to make Jupiter Broadcasting a dime because it's just another way for our audience to listen to our shows. There's got to be millions of use cases like that where it's supplemental to your business. It's additional, you know, like, you know, just as a just as an example, say you had one bit of Alice functionality, like the one bit of functionality, like an Alice skill. And the one thing was you could coordinate to do lists or something. And they would then be reflected like in a, in a, in a Slack thread and all of that. Like you could just MVP the shit out of that you could make you wouldn't have to be the full alice bot it could just be one tiny subset of functionality that alice does that might make the most sense for voice interaction like to-do lists um and that's it and that's a skill that would add a ton of value to your overall product blow your mind yeah blew my mind that could uh that could be pretty interesting. That's why I think it's going to be a big year. I think it's going to be a big year for the Lady Tubes, and the debate yeah. over the privacy and the spying is going to be bigger than ever. But something else I've noticed amongst all of my geeky friends, so I'm going to put this in as a prediction for 2018, these smart devices that are accessories to these Lady Tubes are going to sell like nuts. Uh, smart plugs, you know, Wi-Fi smart plugs, LiFix bulbs, which are hubless uh, Wi-Fi bulbs. Um, out. Uh, this is one of my favorite things. Is I have an outdoor. I have outdoor switch boxes for outdoor lighting where we park Lady Jupes. We have outdoor lighting and we have heating that comes in from external sources. And I control all of that with the Lady Tube with Wi-Fi connected outdoor plugs. And, and it's like a thirty-five dollar box. A thirty-five dollar box, and I can tell my Lady Tube to turn off the outside lights. It's brilliant. It's just and it supports timers. If you use the app on the phone, these things are going to sell like crazy. And the way I know that is because so many of my friends yeah. bought them for their Christmas trees this year. 
They got they bought a thirty five dollar yeah. smart plug for their Christmas tree. Stocking, yeah, stocking stuff for two. Yeah. So it's going to be one of those where if you can make a little device that integrates with these things, you're going to make some money. All right. So I just did. Uh, that's my big spat. That's my big range. Uh, you want to do some like uh, workflow developer workstation type predictions? Because I think yeah, you and I have ones that in, the, in a similar area, but we don't necessarily exact agree. Exact opposite. <laughs> so I think with the iMac Pro and the Mac Pro coming out, that and with Apple clearly responding to the developer unhappiness, that Linux desktop vendors, I'm thinking chiefly of Dell, kind of missed their shot to really capitalize on that. And I think that we're going to see this trend. Um, we've called it the Mac Exodus. I think we're going to see it ebb. But you don't. No, I, I don't. I think um, because I don't think it is a, a trend that is, is bursting and then slowing. I think it's more like a slow but gradual building rolling momentum like it's it's something that's been building for 10 years and it's just picking up more steam i think um that it's going to be the best year for linux workstations ever once ubuntu 1804 ships you've got dell just released their eighth generation sputnik products i don't know if you saw it but they got a they just released a brand new xps 13 holy yeah, shit no, it, dedicated you know, looking white well, you I'm can sorry. get it in different colors. Yeah, yeah, you're right. right. I'm not so sure about the white, but um, it's got dedicated uh, four PCI lane Thunderbolt three ports on that sucker. It's got a big battery in there, a gorgeous screen. Like I think they're they are nailing the hardware now. And then you bring on something like 1804, which is going to be Canonical's second crack at a GNOME based desktop, and it's going to be the LTS one. 1710. Spoiler alert: is the beta for 1804. That's what 1710 has been this entire time. 1710 is the build-up to 1804. They work out all the kinks in 1710. And 1710's been a solid release, with a few exceptions to Lenovo laptops. Uh, and, and once you get to 1804, they're going to have a solid GNOME 3 product. And then you combine it with this new XPS 13, which is pushing all of my Envy buttons. I, I got a fifth generation. These eighth generations, they check every single box as far as performance improvements, battery improvements, build quality improvements. They've really got a compelling workstation here. But the other great thing is you can take that same Ubuntu 18.04 and you can put it on a custom PC that you assembled from Newegg. And you can get the performance of a 5K iMac I mean, the new iMac Pro, you can get it for $3,000, $3,500 in a workstation that you built running Ubuntu. And there's going to be a category of people that do that. And there's going to be a category of people that buy these Dells or these Lenovos. And I think this momentum is going to pick up because because of the diversity of options and hardware, because of the standardization in what you build and what you run on, and a new LTS is a great opportunity to rebase. And because you've got all these hardware companies that are coming together now with pretty competitive products, it's going to be huge. I think it's not going to – I'm not going to say it's the year of the Linux desktop, but it's going to be the most successful DevOps sort of work, um, um, system administrator, developer, uh, Sputnik-type customer workstation. The, the Sputnik-type customer that Dell's going after, your developers, your system administrators, your technical people that want a great workstation OS, it's going to explode in that category. And I don't think it's going to replace the Mac or super, super replace Windows, but I do think it's going to be surprising how well it does. So I want you to be right. 
I don't think the iMac but, Pro is enough of a game changer. I mean, if you look at all the limitations that you and I just outlined with it and the problems with the cost and the, and the thermal throttling, right. the thing is, is the damn fucking – it just really bugs me that the, that the damn priority is thinness on that damn thing. It doesn't need to be weird. that it thin. It could be a couple inches thicker. And what, it, what that betrays, right. in my in my personal opinion, is what that betrays is a total disconnect with the requirements of the professional workplace. It's it's this design driven building of an like they they went for an iMac Pro and they're like, well, we what well, we don't even want to consider making it thicker. They don't even want to consider that. Like I have monitors on my table right now, Dell monitors that are thicker than the iMac Pro. Just for the LCD screen. And I give zero shits. I don't care at all. I don't care at all because it is, it, is, it is a tool to do my job. It is not a fashion statement. I'm not putting it up on the front counter of some fruity tooty uh, retail store where it needs to be a design statement. I am getting my job done. I am doing work. If, if I worked on cars, all this shit would be dirty and oily, right? I don't care. And because they don't understand that, it makes me think that they're going to continue to miss the mark, even with the tower. And and if that's the case, people are going to be turning to. So the thing is, is I've got I've got three machines under this table, three machines. They're six core, thirty two gigs of RAM, all SSDs, and all three of them cost less than a single iMac Pro. True, right? All of that's true. So he, here here's where this kind of falls apart for me. He, there is a lot to be said for the Apple Store existing, right? From the IT manager perspective, you can walk in, take yeah, a machine back yeah. with issues. People love but that. Let's, it, people love that. Let's ignore that for a second. Let's say that. See, I think I'm actually a bad case because I I am unfortunately pretty locked in because of the whole iOS thing, right? There's no good way around that for me. I've tried to find lots of ways around it, but. Ultimately, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, and if you if you keep fighting it, you're just wasting energy at a certain point instead of getting work done. Right. But let's ignore the iOS lock-in thing. What is it about 18.04 that you think is significantly better? Is it just the stability because it's like a you know a better integrated with GNOME Ubuntu desktop, or is there something you know pound for pound against uh, against High Sierra or whatever it's called? Well, what you know, the first thing that jumps out at me is, you yeah. know, the first thing that jumps out at me is you're getting five years of support um, where I don't I don't quite understand what the support window is of Mac OS, which is crazy because um, I've got a couple of them and I still don't quite understand. Like, so if I have if I have if I have not upgraded to High Sierra, my current understanding is, is anything except for High Sierra is vulnerable now to meltdown and scepter. That Apple is only patching the absolute latest. So if I'm on High Sierra, but not even the absolute latest, I'm I don't have that fix. That is a yeah. that is a support cycle that is hard for me to understand and is incongruent with the way my business works. Uh, the Ubuntu one I like because it's I get Ubuntu LTS. I can put the same damn ISO on my server. I can put the same damn ISO on my laptop and my workstation. It's all the same bits, and it's all five years to support, and it all installs the same thing for the same five years. Then you combine Snaps and Flatpak, which are, are giving something that the, the, the Mac has now. The, the nice thing about the Mac is that you can get this 
ideally, hopefully, a stable workstation platform, and then you download new, fresh user land applications like Chrome and Slack and Telegram independently. And they come down in DMG files, which are file system images, and you mount them, and then you copy the binary, which isn't actually a binary. It's a bundle of folders and all of this stuff, and you copy it onto your file system, and that's how you install new applications on the Mac. Well, in Ubuntu LTS... Uh, 1804, you're going to have the standard repository of applications that you have. You've always had all your app-gettable applications. But you're also going to have a huge selection of snaps for things like Spotify and potentially other applications like Slack in the future that are your go – a lot of developer go-to applications, JetBeans is working on this too, are going to be available as snaps. And you're going to get that same dynamic where you have a tried-and-true, stable, five-year supported core operating system. But the user land applications are contained in these snaps and they're getting updated very frequently. And major vendors that you, know, you want to – like Spotify and VLC – are participating in these snaps now. And, and then you combine that with this is their second release on the GNOME platform. So they've had six, seven months to integrate all of the uh, changes and tweaks and bug fixes and continue to work upstream in that entire time hand-in-hand hand with the GNOME folks. So the 1804 release will be just more. It'll be, it'll be seven, eight months post that new relationship. It's going to be a pretty solid, pretty polished GNOME desktop with um, basically no agenda other than just making something nice for developers to use. There's no big cloud push. There's no big IoT integration. There's no special Dell version. It's just here's a workstation OS to do your work and no strings attached. You can install whatever piece of shit you want or you can go get some $5,000 rig and put it on that. And that's got to be super compelling to people. That's got to be super appe- compelling and appealing to people that just want to get their damn job done and want to be able to build something that lasts five years. And there is really something to like having a machine that you set up and you move into and you live there for years. You know, you get all your GPG key stuff set up. You yes. get your SSH keys all set up. You yeah. get all your things tweaked out. Like, it's nice. So this is the seduction, right, of a powerful workstation, whether it be a Mac OS one or a Ubuntu one, right? At this point, it's not going to be a Windows one for me. Um, is that if I bought something that I could either upgrade or I just like spent, you know, a tremendous amount of money to Uncle Tim, I could theoretically have a workstation for five years that like just has all my crap on it. Yeah, right? the problem is, is that I, Mac OS releases have been shit now. I mean, High Sierra is well, a train wreck still. The, the problem is, as an iOS developer, I have to be on the latest Mac. Oh, yeah, right, right, yeah, okay. Because they no, they they won't let you update Xcode. No, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I I don't mean to drag you. You're right. You are. It's sort sure. of like me. I'm sort of like hooked at the uh, at the nuts to um, Final Cut. Well, that well, that's my thing. I have this like one, this one simple need, right? That. What about, a, what, about putting, sort. what about putting a Mac up at a Colo or something that you just uh, team viewer into? I at one point had a Mac Mini set up on the LAN as a build server, and you know it yeah. was fine. But you know what the challenge is with that? It is hard to get a Mac Mini anymore that's not like dog slow. So, you know, I'm at the point where it's just faster to compile things on my laptop. Um, the guy I'm working with, uh, Dave, he has a MacBook, you know, the super thin one in gold. That's faster than the Mac Mini we have. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yep. So, so like because it doesn't have an SSD, right? Like there's lots of reasons that the Mac Minis are 
ridiculously slow. Yeah. Um, well, here's what here's my ideal 2018 Linux workstation, because it doesn't have to be crazy. Um, just uh, today, as we're recording, maybe it was yesterday. Intel formally announced their NUC that has the latest Intel processor in it and has an integrated AMD GPU. So you get essentially discrete AMD GPU graphics, um, with some exceptions, and an Intel processor all on one die. And they've built in they've you know they've built in eight PCI lanes for this thing to talk to each other. They've done a bunch of memory optimization, and they're going to put this in a NUC with PCI storage, uh, Thunderbolt three controllers, and uh, it's going to be like six hundred and seventy dollars. And this is going to be the perfect Linux workstation because you could use 100% open source software to get full 3D acceleration. This thing's even going to support AMD's FreeSync. And then when you need more performance, like our friend Wimpy, you could just hook up an external GPU, an eGPU, which is working great these days under Linux, and you could have full-on dedicated graphics because this thing's got full four-lane PCI Thunderbolt 3 on it. And this NUC for $670, which has, doesn't have a, a release date yet, but it was, it's being covered at CES right now, is going to be the perfect Linux workstation. It's everything the Mac Mini should be. It's smaller than the Mac Mini. It's, it's exponentially faster because it's using the latest Intel stuff. Um, and it, you, put, you put Ubuntu LTS on that, and it's, it's going to be the perfect computer. It will be perfect And quiet. That's true. I, that's going to be my computer of the year, I think. And is it really a NUC? No, it is. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tiny little Intel NUC. Right. Yeah, it's six hundred and seventy seventy dollars, six hundred seventy nine dollars for the one I want, and then you add some storage, and it's just it is I uh, if I could uh, if I could just if I could say just buy one computer this year. If you look at looking at desktops, that's got to be it. Uh, our buddy Wimpy talks about his. He has a he has a current generation NUC, and it's one of the best computers he's ever had. It's just solid. It's a solid Ubuntu machine, and he's even using he's using external eGPUs with the latest Nvidia graphics cards in them, uh, and just having a great time. He's playing games. He's playing like the, the latest racing games at a hundred and something frames a second. And then he does really cool. Yeah, then he unplugs it, and he's just got a nice quiet workstation. So just to jump back to, to the predicament here, there is another road for me, and I, probably for you too, if you want to stick on like spending less money, you could buy machines more frequently, as someone just mentioned to me on Slack, and just like be on a 18 to two-year upgrade cycle. Right? I have thought about a business years. lease. I've thought about getting like a business lease or something like that. <laughs> Those aren't that great. No. I, I looked into it. Really, yeah, what I've, I mean, part of it, part of my audio transition too is reducing the cost of my tooling. Totally. It's just that we haven't we ha- we still have video, so we can't completely switch away. But I don't have to have as demanding video uh, hardware. Well, so yeah, we'll I'm going to try to make this MacBook Pro last as long as I can. I mean, whether that involves things like trying to compile in the server. More See, I think for you, the MacBook yeah. Pro is the sweet spot because you don't need the super performance of a 10 core iMac Pro. What you really need yeah. is you need a slightly more competitive MacBook Pro, something with a better keyboard, something that is a little bit faster, has a little more options and a little more flexibility, and you'd be set. You know what I needed to do, honestly? I, this MacBook Pro is an i7, which I did the right way, but it's only I needed more RAM. Because it's not infrequent that I have to spin up a Windows VM for something. What do you have in there right now? 
16. Oh, yeah. Well, the max. You have the max. Yeah. Well, that that's my problem. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I need to. I mean, it is not unreasonable. Maybe maybe this is unreasonable. But in my opinion, it's not unreasonable for Apple to make this like two or three millimeters uh, thicker. Right. And let me have 32 gigs of RAM. I agree. I agree. Because then I can just have my VMs all day long. But See, I think these fundamental challenges aren't going away in 2018. And the edge is going to go to Linux. I think I just, oh. we'll see. We'll see. It, it, you know, it's, it, we should we should look again in June because I think I'm telling you, I think WWDC is going to it's going to hurt. We'll and I think it's gonna it's gonna take a big bite out of uh, the Sputnik and the yeah, other I, vendors. I th- I don't know. See, I I suspect the problem is fundamentally PC enthusiasts don't work at Apple anymore. Wow, I think that's I, a bold I, I think the iMac Pro is a reflection of that. Design enthusiasts, the goal was how fast a machine can we put in this beautiful slim build, which is which is an interesting design idea and challenge, but it is not something that PC enthusiasts that we don't, you know, no, we don't need that. I mean, you know what? Even they could have even they could have even done water cooling. They've shipped machines. They've shipped power power Mac G5s with water cooling. They it's could a have dark come. Time though, they, I, I mean, know, <laughs> but they could have come up. They could have come up with something so they didn't have to thermal throttle the GPU. How about just like a tower with a fan? Is that too much? To, <laughs> All right, Mister. A little too boring. Give people some links to go uh, get more Dominic throughout the week between the shows. Follow at Dumanuko, but also follow at Coda Radio Show. Oh shoot! Oh, we should have mentioned that we're gonna launch a okay. Well, We'll soft launch. We're soft launching at Coda Radio Show. At Coda Radio Show. Go follow that. We need to do something for the Twitter account. That's also a great way to send us your feedback uh, and tag the show. We'll come up with something to do for some of our followers over there at Coda Radio Show. Yeah? We'll think about that. We'll think about that. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning this week's episode of the Coda Radio program. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact to send in your emails or tweet them at Coda Radio Show. Oh, it's so official. I'm at Chris LAS. The whole damn network's at Jupiter Signal and the show subreddit's at CodaRadio.reddit.com. Yeah, that's right. CodaRadio.reddit.com, which is a great way to also get feedback or topics into the show. You can also leave us comments over there on your 2018 predictions. You got a good one? Maybe we'll follow up in next week's episode with yours, coderadio.reddit.com. Okay, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Code Radio program. And we'll see you right back here next week. Mm-hmm.